And I'll close. And the reading today is from Psalm 115, verses 1 to 3. All right, let's read together. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens, and he does all that he pleases. Uh, friends, we have gathered to give glory to one name, the name of Jesus Christ. We have come to worship him. He is the only one who is worthy of this kind of worship because he is the only one who has displayed the kind of faithfulness that we've gathered to worship today, the kind of steadfast love that stirs our hearts. It's my prayer today that as we worship, if there's someone who walks in or who observes who's not a follower of Christ, they wouldn't ask what kind of God they serve in a, in a negative way, right? Like if they actually serve a God, shouldn't their worship be a little bit better than that? If he's the, the one true God, my prayer would be that they would come and they would see a people devoted to God so much so that they would ask, what kind of God is this? I need to be worshiping him as well. So may our, our worship today be fueled by the faithfulness of God and may it also be a display to God's faithfulness to anyone who would come and, and see it. Let me pray for us. Father, we rejoice in the work of Christ. We rest in the work of Christ and the faithfulness and steadfast love that is displayed. And Father, we ask that you would stir our hearts with remembrances of your faithfulness, remembrances of your love toward us so that we worship you. And we give praise to the, the name that is alone worthy of this kind of worship. Father, we ask you to move among us today to remind us, to encourage us, to edify us, and to challenge us to be about this business of exalting you every day of our lives. Father, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to gather and worship. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together, church. all the peoples praise you, O God. Let the nations be glad. We're going to lift our voice in song today, church. Would you lift your voice? Sing with us. You have called us out of darkest night into your glorious light that we may sing the May the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad. All your blessing comes that we may praise, may praise the name of Jesus. To declare your praises and your name to every nation, tribe, and tongue, your church proclaims our prayer. May the seeds of mercy grow in us for those who have not heard. 
Welcome to First Irving. We are so excited that you chose to join us this morning. If you are a guest with us, we want to especially give you a warm welcome. We're glad that you're here, and um, we hope that it will be a blessing to you as it is to many of us. My name is Michelle Stanfield, and I am a servant along with our covenant members here, and I am very blessed to be able to welcome you. And so when you walk through the doors, you should have received a bulletin. And inside the bulletin is a connect card. And we would just ask that you, in just a little bit, that you would just take time and fill out that card and give us some information about yourself um, so that we can give you information about the wonderful things that the Lord is doing here in this church and help you get connected. And or if you have a prayer request on the back of it, we are you walked into a, a church that is a praying church and we would love to pray for you. I know I need prayers. And so um, if you need one, we would love to and be honored to lift you up in prayer this week. And or also, really quick, if you're not connected into a small group, then just denote that on the form and we would love to get you some information about how to be a part of that. So welcome, we're glad you're here. Go and find someone that you don't know and tell them how wonderful it is to be in the house of the Lord today. Let me invite you, if you would, come back. And as, as we continue in our service, you know, this, this next moment, it's a time of singing. We know that. But it's also just to encourage you, y'all know this if you've been here, it's a time of prayer as well, where these steps will be open here to come and pray if you'd like to. Um, so yes, we invite you to sing, but we invite you also to pray during this time. 
We've been growing in different ways all throughout our church in prayer. This month has been a joy to pray. Um, every, every Sunday morning over there, we prayed together as a church, and um, we feel its effects. When we come to the Lord out of desperation, we, see, we have seen Him move in so many ways. What are some things that we can praise God for today? As, you, as you're thinking about prayer, what are things that He is worthy of our praise for? Maybe there's things you need to confess. Maybe there's, maybe there's something you, you want to thank God for during this time of prayer. Maybe there's someone you need to pray for and you need prayers of supplication in this time. But if you would, over these next couple of songs, take them seriously, take them intentionally. So as we pray and as we sing, we want it all to be for the glory of Him, right? If you would pray with me as we come into this time. Father, we... Um, Often we, we feel needy when we come to you. When we see you for who you are, we feel like a needy people, like a desperate people. So would you come and would you satisfy our hearts? You are our good shepherd. You say that we will not want when we come to you. Would you lead us to green pastures today? Would you lead us to still waters today? Would you satisfy our hearts? Help our eyes look up to you to look to the cross today and what your son did there and how that means everything for us as a Christian. Be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is strength. There is strength within the sorrow There is beauty in our tears And you meet us in our mourning With a love that casts out fear You are working in our waiting Sing this in faith You're sanctifying us When beyond our understanding You're teaching us to trust You sing And your plans are still to prosper you have not forgotten us You're with us in the fire and the flood You are faithful forever Perfect in love You are sovereign over Praise you, Lord You are wisdom
compassionate and kind. You surround and you uphold me, and your promises are my delight. Your plans are still to prosper. You've not forgotten us. You're with us in the
You guys sound good today. You know, I, I hope that you recognize the blessing of corporate worship. You know, we, we deliberately do things here so that you can see your brothers and sisters in Christ worshiping and you can hear your brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ worshiping because we believe that is a means of grace to us from the Lord to encourage one another as we collectively sing and hear each other singing these praises. And so I just want to honor the Lord, first of all, for his design in this, but thank you for, for worshiping today because it was a blessing to me. So let me pray for us as we prepare to worship the Lord through the preaching of his word. Father, what a joy it is to be with your people, to remind each other, to edify and build one another up in remembrance of the gospel. The reminder that in a sea of distraction, God, all we have truly is Christ. Father, thank you for this provision of encouragement to us in the body. May we not forsake it. May we embrace it, be committed to it for our good and your glory. And now as we turn to worshiping you through the preaching of your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come. He would do his illuminating work in us. You would open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to the truth of your word. And that through that work, he would shape us and mold us as a people into the image of Jesus so we can glorify you in greater ways. And Father, I pray as always that in this moment of preaching, I would decrease and you would increase. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may have a seat. It's good to be back with you guys today. Thank you to Pastor Blair for faithfully preaching God's word last week. I'm excited to be with you so we can continue our study in the book of Philippians. And as we continue our journey through the book of Philippians, we happen upon a, a moment of genuine concern today in Philippians chapter 1. Genuine concern of the Philippian church toward the Apostle Paul. Paul is in prison likely in Rome. And of course, his friends are concerned about their friend because this ain't no club med prison, right? This isn't white collar crime prison. This is the worst of the worst. And Paul's life is in jeopardy. We saw last week that Paul had a great deal of love and affection for the Philippian church, but that love is returned. They love Paul as well. And so they have written to Paul to check on him and his moment of distress and his, his moment of suffering. And they're asking him, how are you doing? How are you doing in prison? Are you discouraged? Are you going to be okay? Is there anything that we can do? And then there also seems to be a second line of questioning dealing with how people are using Paul's imprisonment to advance their own cause and their own name. They seem to be asking Paul, hey, have you heard about how some of these, these preachers of the gospel are, are using your predicament to advance their own agenda and to elevate their own name? What should we do? Should we be concerned for you? Are, are you discouraged by how these opportunists are taking advantage of your terrible situation? They may be even discrediting his ministry because of the reality of him being in prison. They're preaching Christ, yes, but at your expense. What should we do? So Paul writes to them and offers his response in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. And it's a, 
a surprising response, a challenging response that we see from the Apostle Paul. I want us to read it together, and as we read it, I want you to consider how you would, how you would have responded in this situation. If you are in the same situation Paul was, experiencing the injustice he's experienced, experiencing the suffering that he's experienced, the betrayal, would you have had the ability to respond as he responds here? And if not, what does he believe? What does he know that maybe we don't? Let's learn from our brother today. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. It's what the Word of God says. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me and my imprisonment. What then? What should my response be? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. So Paul here seems to be reacting to, to two questions given to him from the Philippian church. Firstly, question one, Paul, are you discouraged? Are you discouraged by your situation? And Paul answers their question with a resounding no. I'm not discouraged despite the injustice, despite the suffering. I'm not discouraged because what has happened to me has been used by God to advance the gospel. What should have been a hindrance to my work, what should have been a hindrance to God's work through me of taking the gospel to people who have never heard it before, to, to proclaim Christ among the Gentile peoples, what should have been a hindrance has actually had the opposite effect. The gospel continues to go forward, and it goes forward through my imprisonment. God has redeemed this moment of hardship for his gospel purposes. And Paul tells us that the gospel is advanced in two specific ways as a direct result of his imprisonment. How's the gospel advancing? Well, first, the gospel has advanced in the prison, in the imperial guard, where he is being held. We see it in verses 13. I'm in prison, but everybody here knows why I am in prison. And it's not because of the emperor. It's because of my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why was Paul in Rome? Or Ephesus or Caesarea, depending on what you think. But for our purposes, we're thinking he's in Rome. Why is he in Rome? Well, why is Paul anywhere? Paul's life since the road to Damascus was devoted to one cause, one singular cause, and that was making much of Jesus Christ. Everything he did under the lordship of Christ, under the, the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God, was to push the gospel forward. We saw it firsthand as we began our study in the book of Philippians, right? He wanted to go one place, but the Spirit of God arrested him, would not let him go to where he wanted to go, because he needed to go to Macedonia. 
And as a result of his faithful obedience to the Spirit of God, the Lord used him to establish this incredible church in Philippi. Everything that Paul did was a sensitive response to the Holy Spirit of God to be about the business of exalting Christ. So why is he in Rome? To exalt Christ. He's in Rome to advance the gospel like he was everywhere else. And Paul did not let his circumstance derail him from his purpose. He believed that God led him to Rome. He believed that God led him to the prison. And if he is giving his life to the Lord, if he is trusting in God's sovereign goodness, he doesn't care where the Lord brings him. Wherever God puts him, he's going to be about the business of proclaiming Christ. And that was true in the prison as much as it was outside of the prison. Everyone there is going to know. I'm here because of Jesus Christ. And I've got freedom that you can't even begin to know apart from Christ. I mean, that sounds silly because I'm in prison. But I'm telling you, you may be in the outside of this prison, but I'm more free than you are because my chains are gone. I've been set free from the greatest imprisonment mankind has ever known. Wherever the Lord leads, Paul, he's going to tell people about Jesus. It was true of the founding of Philippi, and it's true in his ministry to the, the Philippian church even now. So Paul says, how can I be discouraged? How can I be discouraged when the Lord is redeeming this moment, when he's redeeming this injustice, when he's redeeming the suffering for his gospel purposes? Men, women who would never have heard about Jesus Christ are hearing it because I am in prison. And in many ways, Paul's identifying with Christ, right? In that moment, the Lord's in the business of redeeming suffering and injustice for his gospel purposes, right? There's no clearer evidence of that than in the work of Christ. Has there ever been any greater injustice done than that which was done to Jesus Christ? Proclaimed innocent and yet beaten and murdered on a cross. The greatest suffering any human being has ever known Jesus Christ experienced as the God-man. And yet from that injustice and that suffering came unknowable good, eternal good, eternity-altering good. And Paul here saying, if, if the Lord can redeem that injustice and he can redeem that suffering and bring about a good that transformed my life, certainly God can be about that work in my life as well. I'll identify with Christ here. And allow God to, to redeem this moment of injustice, this moment of suffering for his gospel purposes in the same way that he did in the life of Jesus. The gospel is advanced in another way as well. Not just in the imperial guard, not just in the prison, but also the gospel is advanced through the church. In verse 14, most of the brothers, because of my imprisonment, my faithfulness in prison have now become more confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, and they are now much more bold to speak the word without fear. Because of Paul's faithfulness and the worst of circumstances, it's challenged the faithfulness of the church in their relatively easy circumstances. They begin to ask a question like this. If Paul can be faithful in prison, then how on earth can I not be faithful in freedom? If he's not afraid when his life is literally on the line, can be taken at any moment, then why am I afraid? Isn't it incredible how the Lord 
uses the faithful testimonies of brothers and sisters to encourage greater faithfulness in his people. And, and through their commitment, their, their display of uncompromising joy in Christ, it leads us as the people of God to consider our own place before the Lord and our own commitment to the gospel. This wasn't just true in Paul's life. It's been true throughout the history of the church. How the Lord uses the experience of other brothers and sisters to encourage the global church to greater faithfulness. I experienced it firsthand last week. Many of you know that I had the opportunity to travel to Ethiopia and visit some gospel partners there. In fact, I, I left uh, two weeks ago today and my neck still feels the effects of all of that wonderful travel, but uh, grateful to be back with you today. Um, many years ago, we as a church partnered with the IMB to uh, reach an unreached people group, the Dorze people of Ethiopia. And even among Ethiopians, the Dorze are known to be a very resistant uh, people group to the gospel. They've been very aggressive uh, in, their, in their rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ over, over many years. But we felt committed, we felt convicted to, to partner and to, to seek out a way to reach them. And we tried various things throughout the years. We sent a couple of teams there and, and honestly, they didn't have a lot of fruit because we'd go for a week and we'd try to, to figure out where they were and to map it and to have some interaction. But before you know, it was time for us to leave again. And we just couldn't build any relationships. And so uh, Pastor Rick last year and I were, were talking about our commitment to the Dorsey and whether or not we were actually going to do this thing or we were going to entrust it to someone else. And we wanted to make good on our commitment to do whatever we could to reach them. And, and Rick said, well, I know a guy. In fact, here's a picture of him. His name is Pastor Desta. I know a guy who um, has a church planning network in Ethiopia. He's an Ethiopian. So why not use an Ethiopian and an Ethiopian church planning network to reach other Ethiopians? Because they can live there. They can move up there and they can do things that we can't do. You know, Jared, when you go to the doors a people, you kind of stick out. <laughs> Six four white dude, okay, walking through, and everybody knows he doesn't belong there, okay? Uh, but these guys, they're Ethiopian, so they can come in, they, they know more about the culture, they can speak the language, they may have greater success, and so we thought, why not? Pastor Desta is a dear brother, loves the Lord Jesus Christ, and so we committed to, to work through AIPM, which is Ambaricho International Prayer and Mission Movement, to reach these people. And so uh, Desta found two guys. Next picture. Their names are Tesfay on the left of me and Bedru on the, the right of me there. And we began supporting them. They left their hometowns. Bedru actually left his family and they moved up on this mountain, uh, 9,000, 10,000 feet above the, the, the nearest town up on this mountain to start engaging the, the Dorze people. And I gotta tell you guys, I was uh, really challenged by, by what I experienced with them. One of the, the graces of God to me on that trip was getting to taste a little bit of what they do every day. And so we 
It took us two hours to get up the mountain because the roads were so bad. And even when we got up there, we were limited by vehicle to where we could go. And so the way the doors there are kind of constructed, there's a center like area of town where the market is. And there's like 12 tribes within the Dorze and they are sporadically kind of uh, situated away from town center. And so they wanted us to go in and meet one of the tribes where the gospel has really taken root. But it was an hour and a half walk um, from the town center to, to where we were going. We didn't know we were gonna walk, but we ended up walking. And, uh, you know, praise the Lord, we were able to do that because I got to experience a little bit of what they do every day. That's just one tribe. It takes them an hour and a half to walk there, just to begin engaging with them and to, to ministering to them. And along the way, the Lord redeemed the time. Um, everybody's walking, and so you get to see people and meet people, but I also got to hear a little bit of, about their stories. I got to hear about Bedru. This is not his first missionary assignment. He's been serving in, throughout Ethiopia and other, other countries nearby a long time. And he's experienced a lot of hardship, a lot of suffering, a lot of persecution because of his commitment to the Lord. This is uh, Tess Faye's first assignment, but even among the Dorze people, he's experienced hardship and suffering. Bedru, I said, I said a minute ago, left his family to go and be a part of this ministry. And so his family is a long way away and they don't get to see each other very often. So I was getting to hear all of this. But even as we're walking, we had an incredible experience because Tess Faye led two girls to the Lord while we were walking to the place we were going to minister. It was a really cool moment. Everybody's walking to and from the market and these girls see me and they ask him if I can give them money because apparently that happens a lot when Americans are abroad. And uh, Tess Faye says, well, he's not here to give you money. He's here to tell people about Jesus. And they said, who's that? And so he began to share the gospel with them. And then on the mountain, as we're walking, we had to stop and lead these girls to Christ. It was an incredible, incredible moment. But I was challenged about my own life in that process, right? How many distractions I allow to come into my commitment to the work of Christ. How many excuses I find to not be about the work of Christ, right? Many of us, it's difficult for us to get up on Sunday morning and drive five minutes to church. They're walking up a mountain for an hour and a half to get to church. Didn't that challenge you? I think about how many times I get distracted by where I'm supposed to be and don't consider the provision that God has given me in ministry along the way. If we were just committed to making our best time, our best hiking time, we would never have stopped and engaged those girls. And we'd be down two less sisters in the family of faith today for not doing that. And then I also get, just began thinking about the example of Tesfaye and, and Bedru. Would I be willing to leave everything that I've known to go amongst one of the hardest people to reach in the world, suffer persecution, all because I really believe the gospel that much. And so the Lord just kind of began stirring a challenge within me based on their sacrifice. If they're willing to leave, if they're willing to suffer, then what's my excuse? You know, what's What's my excuse in not being more faithful in the ease of where I minister when they're being faithful in some very difficult circumstances? What an incredible provision that God has given to us through their story in the same way that God had made provision for the Philippian church through Paul's story. The Lord redeems these kind of stories in the, the life of the church 
to make us consider our commitment to the gospel. You see, the reality is, easiness usually leads to laziness. And unfortunately, the freedom we enjoy has led to more complacency in the Christian life than boldness in the Christian life. And these testimonies are a reminder. Hey guys, we don't have an excuse, right? To be about this work. Let's be more devoted in our freedom. Let's, be, let's, let's take advantage of what God has provided for us. And then it's also an encouragement to them because the gospel is advancing them on the doors day because of their faithfulness, but they also see that their example in difficult times has caused the, the gospel to advance in us and through us where we are. And so they see the Lord redeeming their circumstance in multiple ways, and that encourages them to be more faithful. Paul says, how can I be discouraged when there's so many reasons to be encouraged, even in the midst of these circumstances? There's a second question too, though. Paul, are you concerned about the reaction from other preachers of the gospel? Are you concerned about these opportunists? The gospel is advancing through the church, but it may be advancing at your expense. There are some who are defending you, but there are some who are trying to discredit you, and take advantage of you. And really there's, there's only two responses to Paul's imprisonment. We see this kind of throughout the New Testament. Paul always is defending himself because he's oftentimes in prison, right? And so there's, there's two basic responses that we see in the New Testament. The one is to defend him and to defend the gospel because what they're saying is he's showing the insurmountable joy of Christ in any circumstance. But there's a lot of people who try to discredit him as well, who say things like, if he truly is an apostle, if he truly has the favor of God, how is it that he's always being beaten up and always ending up in prison? Because oftentimes we associate good fortune, we associate blessing with the favor of God. So how is it that Paul doesn't have any of these blessings if he truly is of the Lord? And the same thing is happening here. There are some preachers who are defending Paul as a, and putting him up as an example to, to the reality that to live is Christ and to die is gain, as we'll see next week. But there are some opportunists some preachers who are trying to discredit Paul for their own benefit and seeking the admiration of the people that was one direct, once directed at Paul for himself. So the church is concerned. Paul, are, are you discouraged by this? What should we do? Should we listen to them? These are not false teachers, by the way. That's not what the Bible says. They are actually preaching the gospel. They're just doing it with the wrong intention. What should we do, Paul? Well, Paul's answer is stunning, equally stunning. Here's what he says. How could I be discouraged when the name of Christ is being proclaimed? Yeah, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. The latter do it out of love. But... How could I respond in discouragement when Christ is being proclaimed and as long as his name is being exalted, I will rejoice. Paul says, how can I be offended when my name is forsaken? My name was never supposed to be the focus. Who cares what they do to Paul? 
Who cares what they say about Paul? What are they saying about Jesus? That does not mean that we shouldn't take into consideration the motivation for why they were preaching. The Lord's going to deal with them one day and their hearts for why they were preaching. But from Paul's perspective, his concern is this. I don't care what happens to my name so long as the name of Christ is being exalted. What a, what a supernatural response. In the midst of more injustice, right? In the midst of more betrayal from, from people taking advantage of the very church that he helped to establish. Paul says, I'm going to rejoice. He is unmoved because he knows that no one on their own can offer anything of eternal significance. The only reason that Paul has been successful in the work of ministry is because of the supernatural work of God upon his life. See, Paul was a persecutor. In fact, there was a time when Paul was handing out more injustice and more suffering than he's even experiencing right now. He defamed the name of Jesus. He persecuted the people who worshiped him. And he did that until God miraculously called him one day on a road to Damascus. Jesus met him and changed his life forever, rescued him and then gave him a new name. A new name. Hey, that name's the Lord's. I don't care what happens to it. So long as the name of Jesus Christ is the one being exalted. Paul never wanted the credit. It was never about him. It was always, always, always about Jesus and making much of him. You know, so often in ministry, in the church, we want the credit. We want... Jesus' name to be great, of course, so long as our name can be great alongside him. We want God to do something, yes, so long as he uses us to do it, so long as he uses me to do it. We want, we want Jesus to be magnified in worship, but we also want to be the ones on the stage with the microphone so that everyone can hear how great we are. And how they can come up after the service and tell us how incredible our, our singing was today. We want Jesus to be exalted in the preaching moment. But we also want to be the one that everybody's looking to. And that everyone is praising for their insight into the biblical text. It's one of the things I, I wrestle with every time I step up on the stage to make sure that, that I'm not drawing you to my name, but constantly pushing you to the name of Jesus, which is above my name. But you know, and I've been in a pew before, there are people who sit there and long for the spotlight because they want to be great, not just Jesus. As a church, we want Jesus to be exalted in Irving, but oftentimes, we only want Jesus to fulfill our prayers through us so that our convention or others can take notice of the great things that are happening here at First Irving. Some years ago, I got to hear 
J.D. Greer preach at a North American Mission Board conference. And J.D. Greer is a pastor of a church in North Carolina. He's also the president of the Southern Baptist Convention right now. And he was talking about his launching of his church, which is now a very large church. But he remembers praying before the Lord early on and just asking the Lord to to give him the city of Raleigh and to, to use his church to, to reach the people of Raleigh and to, to help overcome systematic injustice in the, in the city. And, and as he was praying, the Lord just began impressing something upon his heart, that he was only praying these things with his church in mind. And it was almost as if the Lord just kind of spoke to him just gave him an impression. J.D., what if I use another church to accomplish the things you're praying for? Would you be okay with that? What if I use another pastor to lead the church to accomplish all the things that you are praying for? Are you gonna be okay with that? And J.D. said something in my heart just kind of opened at that moment because I realized that I was more concerned about my role in the work than I was about the work itself. Whose name do we want to be exalted? Who cares what church the Lord does the work through so long as it's done? We know what we're called to, that's to pray. To see the gospel moved through and the Lord chooses to use someone else and they get the fame and recognition Ultimately, let's just rejoice that Christ's name is being proclaimed and that the kingdom is advancing. This was never Paul's focus. If the gospel was moving forward, if Christ was being proclaimed, and it had eternal consequences, the effectiveness of that proclamation could never, ever, ever be credited to a man. It had to be in a work of God. And if our focus is on the glory of God, then who cares what man or what people God uses to do it so long as it's done. That's the ultimate goal. There are so many elements in this section of Philippians that challenge me, have been challenging me for the past few years, but certainly in the past couple of weeks as I've been overseas and then have been preparing to, to preach this text. There's so many ways that I don't see myself as committed to the gospel as much as Paul is. And the Spirit's been working in my life. And so um, I've been asking myself a couple of questions that I want to ask of us today. In the same way that Paul was asked two questions, let's ask two questions of ourselves and see how we would answer based on where we are and our walk with the Lord to consider whether or not we are as committed to the gospel as we need to be. Question one, are we willing to let any circumstance be used by God for the advancement of the gospel? Are we willing to let any circumstance we find ourselves in be used by God for the advancement of the gospel? Like Paul, like my friends in Ethiopia, Paul resolved that if God can bring good, eternal good through suffering, through injustice, as in the example of Christ, certainly he could still do that through his life. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? 
many of you have heard the story before, but anytime I can take a moment to brag on a faithful brother who blessed me and has now passed on into glory, I want to do that. Um, I want to talk to you about my, my friend, Lewis Boyd, who I got to serve on staff with at Florida Boulevard Baptist Church many, many years ago, who was diagnosed with terminal cancer and chose to allow the Lord to use his terminal cancer to advance the gospel. He was called to the ministry. He gave his life first to the Lord. And so if the Lord was going to let him or uh, sovereignly allow him to have cancer in his life, he was going to make a commitment to use that for his glory. And I remember one time specifically, the Lord answered that prayer very directly. We were in a uh, staff meeting and our administrator had just come back from a hospital visit and was very discouraged. He had just visited a guy who was not in our church, but someone in our church had asked us to visit him because he had just been diagnosed with terminal cancer and they didn't know where he stood before the Lord. And after that first meeting, I think it was pretty clear. Because Gerald went in there and just said, hey, I wanna pray for you and just offer you some words of encouragement. Make sure you know about Jesus. And that guy looked back at him and said, how dare you come into my room pretending you know what I'm going through. You have no idea what it's like to be diagnosed with terminal cancer. Your words are meaningless. Now get the bleepity bleep out of my room. He didn't say bleepity bleep. And so Gerald was discouraged because, you know, he wanted to share the Lord, the Lord with this guy. And, and Lewis, in that moment, said that he felt the Lord saying, you need to go. Go minister to him. And so he did. The next day, Lewis went to go visit this guy. And he walked in the door and the same spiel began to happen. He said, I want to pray for you and tell you about Jesus. And the guy said, I don't want to hear nothing about your Jesus. You have no idea what I'm going through. And that's when Lewis said, that's where you're wrong, brother. Because I know exactly what you're walking through because I have terminal cancer too. And let me tell you about the Jesus who gives me hope in the midst of it. And so it opened up a door. He got to share the gospel with this guy. All because Lewis said, if the Lord's going to allow this in my life, I'm going to let him use it however he wants to for his glory. Friends, listen. In the American church especially, all we want is comfort. And anytime any suffering or injustice happens to us, the first thing we do is, is begin to pray for God to remove it. But what if God gets more glory and walking with us through the suffering and through the injustice than he does just removing it? Are you willing to go there? It's true the Lord could miraculously deliver you from it. And if he does, praise the Lord. We'll give him the glory and honor. But sometimes he wants to walk with us through the fire instead of just removing it. Are you willing to do that? For the sake of the gospel. Question two. Are we willing to rejoice when other people are used to advance the gospel? Or to ask the question differently. Are you okay with the Lord using someone else to fulfill the prayers that we pray. So much of our prayers and so much of our ideas of success in ministry are tied not only to the exaltation of Jesus, but also the exaltation of ourselves. And friends, that's not the example of Christ. As we will see as we move into Philippians 2. That's not praying with humility. That's not praying with the name of Christ as the, the chief aim of our life. Either 
our mission is to give him all the glory or it's not. What if the Lord allows someone else to have the spotlight? What if you never get an opportunity to be on this stage? Will you still serve faithfully and rejoice that every week the name of Christ is being exalted? There's two men in Ethiopia that the majority of the world will never know. Never know their names. But they are doing some of the most significant gospel work I have ever seen. And one day they'll stand before a holy and righteous God who will look at them and say, well done, good and faithful servants. They're not doing it for their name. They have no idea that I'm telling you who they are today. They're doing it because of their love for Christ and their commitment to the gospel. The gospel is advancing and the gospel will advance until the Lord returns to bring this advancement to its designed end. Will you be a part of the advancement or will you be a hindrance to it? Will you allow the Lord to use any circumstance for this gospel advancement? And will you celebrate whoever he uses to bring this advancement? If not, I'm not sure we've fully been arrested by the gospel. Let's in humility come before the Lord and say, we're yours. However you want to use us, use us so long as your name is exalted and you get the glory. Wherever you are, would you just bow your heads? Spend some time before the Lord asking him to help you know how to respond today. The first question I got to ask is, has the gospel advanced in your heart? Have you ever seen what Christ endured for you, suffering and the injustice so that you could be reconciled to a holy and righteous God, delivered from the punishment your sin deserved. If you've never embraced the gospel, this gospel that we're giving our lives to, then I want to offer you an opportunity today to do that. Just a minute, we'll have some pastors and ministers here in the front. We'd love to speak with you more about Jesus and what he's done to save you from your sin. For the rest of us who have been saved by this gospel, are we committed to its advancement in our homes, in our workplaces? With our lives? Have we given it all to Jesus to say, use it however you want? so long as your name is made great among the nations. Help us to be that kind of people, Father, we pray. Find us faithful in our responding, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You stand and respond as the Lord leads. Let this be our prayer from the hearts, from our hearts, church family. Sing this with me in faith. Be my life. Be my life, I surrender, one day is better, 
with you than all the world, spirit of life, help me remember that it is my pleasure to say to you that all I am, my life defined by I've been crucified. flesh is failing, but the Spirit is willing to point me back to you. For to live is Christ, and to die is better. Help me remember my song to you. There's so many ways that we can display our commitment to gospel advancement, certainly in the ways we talked about today. Another way is in our giving, right? Um, what does your pocketbook say about your commitment to the advancement of the gospel? One of the things that I've 
uh, really been convicted about in my time here as your pastor and, and walking with the elders here is, is our need to be a more generous people and to be more generous individually, considering what God has blessed us with and, and returning a portion of that back to the Lord as the Holy Spirit leads us, but also more generous as a collective people that as we ask you to give individually, that we would be committed to sacrificially giving as a church. Um, those two men are able to be on that mountain because we send them monthly support. Uh, Bedru's wife is able to provide for their family um, because we send monthly support. And that's because you give faithfully to the global mission offering um, and give faithfully to our budget. And so uh, we want to be a generous people. And we want to, to make being generous as easy as possible. And so one of the things we've been doing over the past few months as uh, leadership is, is taking into account um, our, our giving apparatuses, the way that we give, and, and seeing if they are um, promoting generosity or if they are a hindrance to generosity. And so we want you to know that we've made some changes to make giving easier as a church and to um, encourage you to give more whenever there are opportunities that arise. If you look at our screen, you can notice that the changes we've made in three different places. You can go online and look at our giving page. If you go to firstirving.org and click on the give button, you'll see the new design of the giving page and how user-friendly it is. We'll also be unveiling an app in the next month or so. We had an app before, it didn't work out very well, um, but uh, we believe that an app can be properly utilized to help us grow in our generosity. And specifically, we want you all to download it because it allows us to communicate with you when something happens or there's a specific need or, or we've seen a need met and we wanna rejoice in it together, you know, through push notifications, we can make you aware of all of those things so that you can pray before the Lord about uh, how you've been generous and give thanks to the generosity or if there's a need for generosity. And of course, if you are committed to the old faithful way of cash or check, like my parents, you can give that right now as we're about to pass the offering plates in a minute. But however you give, I want you to know that we're gonna be communicating with you better on the other side of that giving to let you know how appreciative we are for your commitment um, to this body of believers and the work that we are doing that can only happen through the generosity of us as a people. Uh, we wanna tell you the story. I hope that you're encouraged by hearing about Tespe and Bedger today that if you've given to the global mission offering, if you've given to the budget and the missions, uh, the, and consequently the missions portion of our budget, um, you got to see today firsthand where your money is going. And so I hope that's an encouragement to you. We wanna do more of that. You know, if you give anywhere today, you usually get some sort of thank you response. But we, we want you to know not just that you should give, but why you're giving and why it's beneficial to the, the advancement of the gospel. And so we're gonna give right now, if you wanna give through envelope or check, you can do that. If you wanna give on your phone, if you wanna see the, the new design, all you gotta do is get out your phone, open up a text message as I'm doing right now, type in 77977. And then in the, in the, the message box down here, type First Irving. And when you do that, you get a text message back immediately that says, thanks for, gener for your generosity, click here to give. And you can click on that link and you can give right now. So 
If you uh, don't have any cash, you don't carry checks like I don't, but you do want to give during this time, that's an easy way for you to do it right there. All right, let me pray for us as we prepare to give. Father, thank you for this opportunity to give back a portion of what you've given to us. And thank you for the work that does in our heart to make sure that we are committed in all things to the advancement of your gospel. Father, help us to consider what you've blessed us with and give a portion of that back as a reflection of our commitment and worship of you. Father, we love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. You've been blessed today. It's been a good day in the house of the Lord. A couple of announcements, and then I want to do something really great for our mission focus today. Um, How many of you got to come on Wednesday night to our new Equip stuff? It was a great night. Um, We had 200 adults on our campus, which was really great. And it's not too late. If you want to come join in in one of these Equip classes that we launched on Wednesday night, you can come in. I just did a, a brief introduction revelation on Sunday night, um, so you haven't missed much yet. Uh, the leadership class, Crown Financial, maybe you're saying, I want to be generous, but our budget is strapped so thin, I don't know how to be generous. Well, good news. We got some people that want to help you. And so come hang out with Pastor Wayne, Britton Boss. Uh, they'll talk through how to, to, to structure your budget in a way that reflects your commitment to the purposes of God. A lot of great things, a lot of women's things happening there. Uh, A lot of women showed up the other night, which is exciting. Um, So all that stuff's going on. This Wednesday night, it continues. Be here or, uh, you know, terrible for you. Okay. Uh, Also, um, we are launching... A, our, our next semester of Merge, February 17th. What's Merge? Well, Merge is our, uh, what would you call it? It's a program, premarital counseling. Yeah, but if you're, if you're engaged or seriously dating and you wanna know how to build your marriage upon a solid Christian foundation, then this class is for you. Eight weeks, 60 bucks, Sounds like a lot, but you get to save money on your certificate, your license, and you get the, the two-hour or the two-day waiting period wait if you go through something sponsored like this from the state. So I would just say, if you know someone who's dating, seriously dating, or engaged, and you want them to have really good foundation for marriage, then come be a part of this. On Monday nights, it's going to be great. Um, it's going to be a really great night. Okay, and then, is there a Disciple Now happening soon? Yeah. Disciple Now, February 21st and 23rd. And what's really cool about this year is that we're partnering with other churches in the community to do it. So come be a part of that. If you are a student, do y'all need any other help still? Do y'all need host homes or food or anything? Okay, well, if you just want to give money to Kyle, come see him. Okay. 
Uh, where's, is Chris Norris in here? Is he? He's in the lobby. Somebody get him out here because I want to ask him something at the very end before we leave, okay? Um, so this is the last Sunday of the month, and typically the last Sunday of the month is when we, oh, hey, Chris Norris, do you still need help today moving stuff? Uh, if you want to help move a bunch of resources from a place in North Irving to Crisis Ministries, they need a lot of help today. Um, if you're able to help them move some boxes, stuff like that, come see Chris Norris. Will you be down here? Yeah, Chris Norris will be up here. If you have some free time, you have a pickup truck, or you have some, you know, godly muscles, and you want to help get a whole, it's an incredible donation for the homeless ministry that we partner with up here. Uh, if you want to help with that, come see Chris after the service. He'll give you the details, okay? Excellent. All right, so this is our uh, Mission Focus Sunday. And over the course of February, we're going to ask you to pray for our partnership in Ethiopia. And I want to give you just a taste of what's happening in Ethiopia by something I got to experience last Monday. Y'all take a look at this. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? 15 to 20,000 people climbed a 10,000 foot mountain, Ambaricho Mountain, to worship and to pray for Ethiopia and the work of the gospel around the world. Here's why this is important. This mountain, they used to gather up there to worship a witch doctor. Now they worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And we praise the Lord for that. And the ministry we're a part of is called Ambaricho International Prayer and Missions Movement. And the hope is that what's happened here at Ambaricho is the name of the mountain. What's happening here on this mountain would spread throughout Ethiopia and around the world. So every year, these people make this pilgrimage up this mountain. And I climbed it. It's a difficult climb. They climb it to get up there and pray. And to get up there and ask the Lord to do something great. And so... Um, part of that request and part of the, the prayer that we're praying is for the Lord to do something like this miraculously up on the mountain where the Dorsey people live. And so I want us as a church right now, but then of course over the course of the next month, to pray specifically for Tesfe and Bedroom and the work that God is doing among the Dorsey people and that uh, the Lord's placed them there for such a time as this. They may have been a difficult people group to reach over the history of, of interaction with them, but the Lord breaks hard hearts all the time. And so let's pray the gospel will do its work among those people and continue to pray for them over the course of the next month. Can we do that together? Father, we rejoice in what we just saw and are encouraged by our brothers and sisters in Ethiopia and how they are um, leading the way in many respects in gospel advancement and uh, in prayer. And Father, we just join with them today praying for the doors they people God, that, that you would do a miraculous work among them, that you would use Tesfe and, and Bedru and the partnerships they've um, established there to bring the gospel to a people who have uh, been very resistant to it. God, that you would even now begin breaking hearts 
and that you would move among this people in a way that would be awe-inspiring as we've just seen up on this mountain. God, would you claim another mountain in Ethiopia for your name? God, we pray. And Father, however you want to use us through that, we want to be used. God, we want to continue to give generously to that. We want to pray for them. Father, as Pastor Desta says, when, when, uh, when we pray, you work. When we don't pray, we work. Father, we know that for this to be um, a movement of, of, of the gospel, Father, it's got to be uh, done through you. And so we're going to be prayer, prayerful people asking you to do what only you can do through us and in us. And uh, we just want to sit back and watch you uh, glorify yourself, Father. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's stand. We're going to sing as we go. Pastor Kurt. Were you encouraged today? Amen. Let's lift our voice and sing together. Praise God from the blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above.